everybody. Welcome to the Brazilian Beat. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion music making community one interview at a time. This is Courtney. And this is Diana. And we're in Brazil camp prep, although you'll hear this afterwards. Mm-hmm. But I am, oh man, I need to pack. <laughs> oh man, I have so much stuff. Um, but I'll send some with my good friend Pauline. Thank you, Pauline. Here's a shout out at the beginning because uh, she uh, takes some stuff for me because she drives nice. and I fly. So um, thanks, Pauline. But uh, I just took my big surdu apart today and oh, did you? Um, yeah, I have a 20 inch surdu. It's not that big. But I shoved my sleeping bag and my sleeping pad and a bunch of stuff in there, pillows nice. and stuff. Good work. Yeah. yeah. I'm also trying to fix my tent because the poles are all warped. Oh, so. that's Crazy my um, house. Yeah, my house has stuff all over it. <laughs> um, one of the one of our friends that we're going to be joining at Brazil Camp is uh, a great friend, Beto Guimarães. We had the chance to talk to him. We've been wanting to do this for a while, and um, he is teaching dance at Brazil Camp. He's a big part of this community in Portland and on the West Coast in general. He lived in the Bay Area for a long time, um, as you'll hear. But uh, today we uh, talked to Beto Guimarães. He was born and raised in Olinda in the state of Pernambuco in northeastern Brazil. Beto is dedicated to sharing the richness of his culture through many forms of Brazilian dance, such as samba, samba de roda, pagode, coco de roda, samba hegi, frevo, and maracatu. Beto has performed throughout the U.S. as well as internationally. He is a longtime teacher of dance at California Brazil Camp and is currently the director of dance for Portland, Oregon's Marica 2 PDX. We hope you like this interview. We had a lot of fun doing it, as well as some tears. <laughs> at OHSU Hospital. And we're here today to interview a good friend of ours and a big part of the community here in Portland and on the West Coast, Mr. Beto Guimarães from Olinda, Pernambuco, Brazil. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me today in here. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes. So, Beto has been in the scene here in Portland for how many years now? 11 years. Wow. Yeah, this summer, July, that's when I I moved from the Bay Area. So, he's been bringing a little bit of Pernambuco to Portland, Oregon, USA for several years. (laughs) And we're so happy to have him here. Um, So, Beto, why don't you go ahead and tell us about yourself and um, how you grew up in Olinda and Mm -hmm. all that. Oh, yeah. So, as you guys know, I'm Beto, Beto Guimarães, (laughs) and uh, I was born in Olinda, Pernambuco. Um, My family, we were 10, 10 kids, 10 kids from my, my, my parents. My father was a postal 
men. And my mom, she, I mean, she had a lot of at home to take kids. care, 10 kids. So, yeah, basically, yeah. She was busy. Yeah. And then I lived in Olinda and uh, um, worked there. I used to be teaching elementary in high school. You did? I did, yeah. Yeah, I went to college and then I had a bachelor in um, social science and uh, with uh, specializing in history and geography. So I, I taught in Brazil, in Olinda, high school, elementary school. And um, then I started to work at the city hall uh, in the culture and tourism department. Um, organize, being part of organized carnival in Olinda. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all kinds of things you're learning, Courtney. <laughs> and pretty much being part of the scene in Olinda. You know, my family very well knowing, and you know, we always participate in, in the whole festivities, Forró, São João, Carnaval. And um, that's when I like totally start to be into to the whole dancing, music, and your brothers and sisters also. No, my oldest brother, um, he um, he was a dancer in Brazil too, and then he worked and he was a sculptor and a painter. Um, we got this part of my mother. She was a very artistic lady. She was a poet, she was a painter, and you know, she had us, so I guess she was very artistic. <laughs> <laughs> Having 10 kids and raised them. Wow, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, my older brother, he, in the six, in the 60s and 70s, he lived in Olinda, and um, he was a dancer and he was um, a sculptor and an artist. And then in 77, then he moved to, to the U.S., um, to San Francisco, which he continuing. He was one of the first one that brought the Frevo to the Bay Area, to the U.S. Uh -huh. And he was very good friend of Dennis Broughton. They really worked together all the time, and and actually they were one of the founders of the San Francisco Carnival, with a, a group called the Batucaje. Mm -hmm. That's where, like my brother, Dennis, they would parade before the Carnival in San Francisco. Being what was your brother's name? My brother, um, his name uh, was uh, Jefé, Jefé Guimarães. And then he was like a really a great and beautiful person and a dancer, an artist. Actually, there is a book of about him, a biography someone wrote in San Francisco, and it is in the um, uh, the library in San Francisco. I don't know if it's a central library or mm -hmm. it's about uh, him, no. like his contribution to to bring the Brazilian culture to here, to the US, to the Bay Area. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I had heard that there's a picture floating around of 
your brother and Dennis standing oh, on yeah. like Hayton Ashbury, I think. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like if one of the years, few years, like when I was at the camp, and I don't know if it was Dennis' birthday, and um, Dennis brought this um, photo of him and my brother. And they said, oh, I have a gift for you. And then I said, what? And he said, come here. And then, like, show me. And then was, like, they were very young, like, young. Dennis had his little fringe, long hair, <laughs> bell bottom, big <laughs> buckle, you know. And my brother had, like, a huge black power. Afro. Had an afro. afro. Yeah. yeah. And um, there was, like, right there um Ashbury and Hate Street in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> so you were working for the, what, what, did, what did you call it? It's in the city in Olinda? And it's a department of the tourism and the culture. I used to be a, a guide, too, in town. And then I started to work with the preparation of the carnival. Because, you know, it's like the whole preparation. Yeah. You you work, like, the whole year yeah. to get everything, right. the instructor, the shows, and the um, artist, and the whole infrastructure mm -hmm. of the carnival, mm -hmm. which is, like, it's very big and hard job. But yeah. it's fun because uh, you meet so many artists, so many people, which you become friends. I was about to ask, you probably meet all the different Yeah, Dona Selma do Coco, Dona Sila, Mestre Salustiano, and many others. All the heavies. Yeah, all the heavies, you know, the whole maracatus and samba, caboclinhos, like this whole dances and music you you being like pretty much involved with the culture. And to me, it was like, oh, my God, didn't pay much, really, but it paid me, like, it gave me so much knowledge right, yeah. of my own culture. Very cool. <laughs> so your brother came to the U.S. Um, in the 70s. When did you come to the U.S., and what inspired you to be here? Okay. Um, my brother came in 1970, I guess, 75, to the U.S. It was his dream to come to America and speak English, and he loved. And then also he loved the Beatles, which is not <laughs> American, but also uh, uh, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. He was lucky. Yeah. It was one of his big thing and besides being a dancer brazilian you know samba uh, frevo he did some capoeira too mm -hmm. also with jose lorenzo which was one along with Ibira, mm -hmm. also mesh accordion they were like one of the first in the bay area, the bay area. Yeah. there was like a, one of the first like and then he came to here and then start to work and you know, met Dennis, met Conceição Damasceno, too, and many others, um, artists and friends. Um, what I, I did not have, like, much um, inspiration to come to America. 
you know, he was living here around like about 20 years when they came. But the reason that I came was to help him. Mm. Um, he got sick, he got AIDS, mm. and uh, I have to help him. And my mother asked me, because I was the youngest, I didn't, I was single, and then she asked me if I could represent her taking care of mm. her child. Mm. And then that's why I came to here, was first to take care of him. Was not, oh, okay, I'm gonna try my life in America. Right, it was right. life and like, you know, was my brother that was dying and then I have to come. That's why I, I end up in here. <laughs> what year was that? Um, I came in 1991, um, August the 17th. So next week is going to be 27, oh, yeah. 26 wow. years that I've been living here. So what was that like when you got here? You were taking care of your sick brother. You didn't probably know how to speak English. I mean, that no, must have been really, really hard. And like my life changed like in one week. I was teaching school. I was, um, you know, elementary school, high school, and working at the um, the city hall, the Department of Tourism, with the whole, you know, cultural. And... Um, and then I start to do my post-graduation in history of the Northeast Brazil. That's when, you know, and then all the sudden they like, and then he need help. And um, so my mother asked me if I could come because she said that she was like too old to come in, which eventually she came later on, but I was the first one that came to here and no English, and then I try five numerous times. I don't even know how many times I tried to get my visa and was denied all the time. All the time they said no. It's so you came without a visa? No, I came with, with a, a visa, visa oh. but that was kind of another story because they would say no, and then they like just send me back home, and then I would come back, wow. and then... They would say no, and then I said, but my brother is dying. And then, like, the consul, huge city vice consul would say, it's not our problem, it's your problem. It's not American problem. And then, like, sent back, wow. and then I would go back home, cry and cry with my family. Then, finally, an angel, I would call this person an angel, um, Mr. Uh, Thomas Slocum. He is a attorney specialized in immigration, and uh, friends of my brother, friends of the concession, and so many. And then he, there was like this whole fundraising in the Bay Area to help my brother because he was sick and he could not work in anything, and to bring bring me back. And then Thomas find his way. He went in his knowledge in the whole system and then said, well, if he, you guys don't let him come, um, you guys can be um, um, sued by the family. It's a human rights. And you cannot say no in that case. And then he made like this whole document and got like hundreds of the signature 
and then put together and send again to the consulate, to the embassy. And then they... Then they let you come. They call me at home. It was so fun. <laughs> the, the American consulate called Mr. Sergio. We have appointment with you with totally different attitude then. And then they gave me. It's nothing happened. Like, oh, here. So I get my visa. Yeah. And then that's when they came. But when they came to here, no English, no bread, egg. That's all what I would say. <laughs> Love. <laughs> Happy. <laughs> and it was hard because it, the circumstance that I came in was very hard because I have to deal with this whole sickness which was new for me and for the rest of the world yeah, at right, the same right. time yeah. and then i went through the the whole thing you probably had to deal with hospitals and all hospitals learn how to drive i didn't know and then i i start to drive my good friend susan she had this 70 1976 like little honda and in san francisco she started to teach me in a stick which was kind of a, very hard in San Francisco, <laughs> yeah. so steep. And then I learned how to drive, but I found myself many, many times when my brother would not doing well when he had a seizure in middle of the night, I had to call some friend, Brazilian friend, that would speak in English to call 911 right. to, and then I saw myself many, many times in the back of the ambulance in the emergency and then come and then people talk to me and then I was like what what do you say yeah yeah, yeah that's hard <laughs> Man. so then you ended up staying in San Francisco and then yeah my brother he we fought together um, for three years and a half mm. and uh, he just did not make it and I got my mom in here and my brother asked me, please don't take him anymore to the hospital. I'm tired to, to be being studied. I don't want to anymore. And I say, no problem. What do you want me to do? And then he said, just let me die at home. Can you do that? And I said, no, you're not going to die. He said, you know that I will soon. But please, if I'm going coma, as he did, for a few times he would go coma and come, come back. Home, huh. And then he said, don't take me. Just leave me there. And to me, I was worried because uh, I felt, oh, my God, I'm going to be responsible for his death. Or yeah. and, but I did what he said. And um, in November 1993, that's when he passed on my arms. I had him in like uh, close to me and my mom and the dog. And then he died in my arms, which was hard. And I learned. And um, yeah, that's what was. You provided something for him, though. That's so. Mm -hmm. Such yeah. a great, good thing. Yeah. yeah. It was hard, but made me feel strong in life. And. Uh, just keep it going so he passed and then i just kept it going like he going with his flag you know doing the frevo doing the maracatu keeping on we were very close 
although our difference was very big, he was 15, 13 years older than me, older, but we were very bonded, you know, it's very bonded. So I guess that experience with your community that you developed there in the Bay Area, you probably formed some tight bonds with people like Conceição and others Yeah. while you were there, so mm-hmm. that still lasts today. It's still yesterday, mm-hmm. yes. And um, as always, I say, like people say, where are you from? And I say, originally, I'm from Brazil, but I'm a Californian. <laughs> I'm from the Bay Area. California Co- boy. Yeah. You know, as, um, you know, was many years that I lived there, like 16 years. And then um, I've been part of the whole shows and the carnival and like the whole cultural especially in the Brazilian mm-hmm. way and then that's where I, I work like for 16 years with cons and with many other people and and at the camp too, the California Brazil camp that I was one of the first along with Conceição Aninha, Carlinhos Pandeiro de Ouro, Jorge Alabé we were like one of the first to be start the camp, mm-hmm. you know, because originally the camp was a capoeira camp, right? With uh, Marcelo uh, Mestre Han, no mm-hmm. Caveirinha, Han is Cassio, Mestre Caveirinha, Marcelo, and became in, like a dancing music and and capoeira comes sometime like just <laughs> to like be guest, right? That's was the way that they origina- originated the the camp. And working in, in so many proje- projects at Brazarte, too, which is a foundation with which Conceição is president. Um, and uh, it's such a great um, foundation to, you know, bring artists from Brazil and keep our culture in the, in the Bay Area and in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Very strong. Mm-hmm. Very strong. So did you have any thoughts go about going back to Brazil after everything that happened? Yeah, I had, but uh, I I feel so happy. My family, they still asking my sister, why are you not moving back? I said, because I found the happiness. I'm happy in here. Yeah. You know, I miss Brazil. And of course, I would never and I won't ever forget where I come from, but this is part of my life too and right now is half and a half i mean like half of my life this year is in here and half i was in brazil mm-hmm. when did you um start teaching dance classes i started to teach dance class in like late 19 uh, early 1992 because I would take classes with Cons, Conceição, and be part of the group. And um, so classes in here in the U.S. Because yeah, in, yeah. yeah. And um, did you teach dance in Brazil? Yeah. No, but I've been part of this some you know um, events, some groups, yeah, and yeah, take yeah. class and just being part of the culture. I was all the right. time connected right, with right, right. The, the whole, the whole scene um but in here was like late uh, 
1992, which uh, I started to substitute in class for Conceição and and then just keeping adding, adding, adding till she said, you should like have a, your own class too, besides being substituted in my, and then I just took from that. that it seems like san francisco maybe not then but the real estate is so crazy down there was it hard to find a space to hold a dance class no um the bay area is so diversified it's like it's a lot of going on and you know we have people from all over the world in here but over there it's like yeah so many yeah. and um it was easy because you know lots of brazilians and different culture too and um yeah the bay area is still like uh, very strong in with the brazilian community and the cultural aspect so do you have any teachers that you really um maybe mentored under or do you consider i don't know that's the word i want Mentors? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any mentors? I have a mentor, like in here, was Conceição was one, and uh, my own brother, too, which was very fun. Um, when I came, he was sick, and he could not move much, but uh, he would go to the classes with me, and then was all the time he pointed at me. Your <laughs> arm is like that. Your arm is this. Look at your breathing properly. So, mm. yeah. And back in Brazil, I took, you know, different classes with, you know, different teachers. And Oh, so what types of, were you teaching, like, samba dance and, like, forever? Samba, um, maracatu. Frevo, uh, samba reggae, coco. All of them. All of them, yeah. Because uh, that was one of the things. To me, of course, I'm from Pernambuco, and I love my culture of my state. It's very rich. But I love the Brazilian culture. I love the differences in between. So I did a lot of traveling in Brazil, and then I spent Carnaval in whole Brazil, Rio, Bahia, um, Pernambuco, and you know, studying mm -hmm. and uh, researching all the time. Uh, every year when I would uh, go and would go to specific, and then that's like uh, made me learn and start to teach different styles of Brazilian dance. Mm -hmm. Even the Amazon too, like doing a little carimbo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> cool. Yeah, probably your your studies in history and geography and all that. Yeah. All a part of the same it's, thing. That's cool. Yeah, it's contribute a lot because it, um, to me it's not just about the movement. Of course it is the dance. But I always in my class, I like to tell people to that takes my class, the students, you know where it comes from and why. And um, kind of more into the historic. Mm -hmm. Then you know, like, 
what it is and you know, is is the body movement? Yes, but uh, and what it represents and where where it came from and when did it start? It's like when I'm teach dance, I mean teach history. That's what I feel. <laughs> Can you tell us um, any differences that you've noticed now between? Um, Brazil camp with the first few years and mm -hmm. how it's evolved till now? Yeah, it's more organized, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's because Diana's yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like when it began, it was kind of a, a more like it, it was informal. Not that it's formal, yeah. but uh, it was like a beginning, you know, so... And it's like it's 20 years now, and a lot of it changed, you know. And it's grown. And, and it's grown, grown like big, because when it began, it was like just a few people. How really many do you grown. think? Huh? How many people do you think? I don't know, but it, probably like really not even a hundred. And it was only one yeah. week. It was one week, and then it was, it was not much. Like as today, as people from all over the U.S. and practically from the world, you know, and uh, um, also there was not really like bring people from artists, which is great. Like now, they have the opportunity to bring like right. wonderful artists from Brazil to experience, you know, to teach. M many was like local. Brazilian artists, but like that live it in here, right? You know, but it's like it, it's beautiful, and then now you know, it's like two weeks, which like the first year that they started two weeks, I did, and it's like kind of exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really love, but <laughs> it's like one week. It's 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 to me, it's like. It's enough. <laughs> it's, 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 it's beautiful, but it's a lot of information. Because when you're at the camp, you are working. Like, it looks like a party, right? Because the dance, the music. But you have to be read there for... It's too many questions and, mm. you know, curiosity of people. No, that's why they are there. And that's why we are there as the faculty to give the whole information. You know, and um, but takes a lot. When you did two weeks at camp, were, did you teach both weeks? I I taught both weeks, yeah. and there was kind of, yeah, it was intense. <laughs> I loved, but it was like I taught two weeks and then like finished the second week, and a few days later I went to Brazil in a vacation <laughs> to dance more. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, exhausting it just attending for two weeks. Yeah. But having all those questions constantly, that would yeah. be Which a is lot. very, I love, I really love, like, you know, the people being interested uh -huh. in, like, in, in my culture. And then that's why I'm here, to give as much as I can, as much as I've been asked. Mm -hmm. I love it. I, I, I really love to, like, 
give information about where I come from, my culture, my dance. It's not just about me, it's where I come from. You know, it's not a me as a person or an artist. It's like whole the history of the, the culture, the Brazilian culture. And to me it's fascinating to see like how it grows so so big with the maracatu, with the capoeira. It's all over, you know. Yeah. And it's it's very beautiful. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, we've talked to people all over the world now. Yeah. And it you know, it's interesting to find out how small the world is mm-hmm. because we're all doing you know, there's so many of our groups doing maracatu or samba or Yeah. Know, whatever and it's bringing them together and making the world smaller it is completely and then it's kind of so interesting like you're going to japan and then you see there is a maracatu a samba there you're going to norway it's the same and in here it's like in everywhere and it's like it's so beautiful in the old times there was not there you know and um Today with the internet, with the whole, it's like, and get like people together more. But it's very interesting how um, things growing. Like at the camp, um, the first really year that I went taught, and I was like a special guest that they have, and then I went to do Frevo. And then I was introduced by Dennis, you know, and there was no orientation. It was like in the cafeteria. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had like a dinner or lunch and, you know, it was kind of a struggle to to get like the whole food going on. Actually, um, really, before I'd been part of the camp as teaching, um, Marcelo... Um, he invited me he said oh do you want to be part of the camp do you want to cook I would love and then I say Marcelo I love to cook but I if I'm going to the camp I'm going to eat of course but I want to teach dance (laughs) which is wonderful which few times at the camp is the same we go infiltrated like in the kitchen and like they oh Beto, can you help us to do a feijoada or a peixe de coco, a, a moqueca? And, you know, I said, okay, just give me a, bring a bottle of white wine <laughs> and let's start the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were talking about um how happy it makes you to share your culture with other people mm-hmm. and I feel like the Marca 2 PDX group is um, what's the word what's the phrase I'm looking for you're such an in- integral part of it like you bring your experience and your culture and your knowledge of, of your culture to that group I really appreciate appreciate that mm-hmm. can you tell us about you and Diana have both been around since the beginning of Marca 2 PDX can you talk yeah. about the origins of that that was fun, right, Diana? Oh, we yeah. first we had before, really before, even meet with Steve and everything, and then we we had the, a meeting in the north 
East, it was a house that was oh, house right, sitting, right. and then we were talking with Jake. Oh, this is pre Steve. Yeah, very pre. <laughs> and then was me, you, Tara. Yeah. And then we. DJ. Yeah, and then like it came up with the idea, and you, Diana, always like you were asking like, oh, let's try to put like in the pride parade. <laughs> It was yeah, Tara, one of it. And Tara, yeah. too, you know. But, uh, yeah. And then, like, uh, the first attempt uh, didn't work. and But we had, like, kept the energy there mm -hmm. for the future, which happened. And, um, and then how happened? Um, I remember that as not a group, I was teaching at the PCC Sylvania um, a class. And right. um, I was doing the term like samba in Maracatu class at the PCC uh, Sylvania, Portland the Community, College. Community College. And um, I asked them if... Uh, I could have like some funds to for the presentation that because when you finish the semester and then you're gonna doing like a presentation, you know, especially like in the arts department in this the music, which I was hired by, and um, I asked them if they had like a little money to me to bring like some musicians, which I had in in mind already you know, um, to play um, the maracatu, which was a part of what I did with them. And um, they said, oh, we don't have, we don't have money. As always, you know, like the schools, they don't have money. And then like the system to the government, sometimes they, most of the time, they don't want to spend money in art. But then I, I got, I guess I got it was, oh, they offered me $100. And then I said, $100 is nothing because it was like a, probably six of eyes or seven. <laughs> but then I asked these guys, you know, Diane, um, Steve, mm -hmm. and um, Tara, and uh, if they would mind. And then I push a little back, like, and I asked the school, like, can you pay like $200? For, oh, it's too much, but then they end up like doing the two. And uh, that's when I met Steve, actually, mm -hmm. because, he, um, yeah, that's when he, he came mm -hmm. with, along with you and Tara. And who came? Ara, Ara came. and Drew. And Drew, they came, and then you guys played mm -hmm. for the, the class. At the seminar, there was in the spring. And then at the same year... We decided we wanted to parade in Portland Pride Parade. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what we did. We paraded at the Portland Pride Parade. We did not have a name well, yet. Well, it was kind of a mixture of a former group yeah. and mm -hmm. just some people. And some of your students, I think. Yeah, it was like a few of my students was me and two students as the dancer. <laughs> yeah, I think we had total maybe 10. Yeah, 10. 10 people at the most yeah. that paraded that yeah. year. Yeah, and Dave was too there. Mm -hmm. um, 
with us. Yeah, it was not many people. We were so small, but we went for the first time on the street with so much happiness. And energy. Energy that people really love. Like, just fuel fires and, you know, was organic music, too, which is kind of different from, like, what they do, like, in the most parades. So that was fun. Mm -hmm. That was our first time out, and... From 10 people, we've gone to about, what, 75 people riding with us, people coming from other countries, from other cities, Mm -hmm. ride with us. So it's become... Become big Mm -hmm. and Maracatu PDX, which is a wonderful name, which I love. (laughs) And the logo is the one that I really love. Because you don't even need to see, like, that is a Maracatu. When you look at fire already... That was brilliant. I really like it. And like, thank you, Steve, for like doing the drawing and and, and get that. Beto is actually wearing a wearing PDX t-shirt right yeah. now. Yeah. I thought, you know, and I said, oh, it's going to be, probably it's going to be about the dance and the music. And what I mean doing is say I have to have like my, <laughs> one of the three, I have like a totally wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. Of the whole Maracatu <laughs> PDX shirts. <laughs> Nice. We kind of, I just realized that we skipped ahead. How did you, can you describe how you got to Portland from the Bay Area? Oh, from the Bay Area. So um, I was at the camp and um, I met my partner, Dave D'Ambrose, and then he was living in Hood River. Um, so we, we start to date. The, the camp, when we met, he was one that came to my class and asked if he could take a class. And I said, definitely. And um, I didn't have any clue who, who, who he was. And, um, and then we met in 2003 and then 2004. At camp. These are at like, camp. Yeah, yeah. And he was taking class. And then like we started our love story. And um, I was not that much happy anymore in the Bay Area. Although I love the Bay Area, I was tired. I was, I, I need a change. And, um, and there are, are different factors like it happened at the same time in the Bay Area that... Uh, I was like kind of a thing to move, but I didn't know where. What year? Is this? Um, 2006. That's when I moved. So 2005, to, uh, we start to like getting a little tired of the the scene in the Bay Area, and like not really being happy. And I, I was just like was in a transition in my life. Yeah. And um, I was telling David, and then I said, oh, my God, I guess if it were not for you, I would go into Florida or going to close it to Brazil. I would do something. And then he, over the phone, he said, why you don't move to, to Oregon, to here? And then I said, what? And then he said, yeah, I would be the most happy man on earth. And then I was like, I freaked, and then I came. (laughs) (laughs) 
So did you move to Hood River? Was he no, I did oh, not okay. move to Hood River. That was one of the things that I told him that I can move. But I mean, Portland at the time was is, is smaller than it is today. Today is like it's kind of the whole big city atmosphere in Portland. And I told him and I say, I can go, but not to Hood River. I would do like I would be in Portland. And David was friend of Peter Fong, of uh. Jay, and then he was like involved with the Lions too, Lions of Batucada, and um, and you had come here like to visit, and we had you do. You dance invited stuff. me, yeah. yeah. You like when you were at the what's the name? Um, the World Dance Office at Portland, yeah. State. You are the one that invited me to come, and then I was the MC. Yes. <laughs> Of one of the the event, the carnival the, event one there. One of the first Portland carnivals, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then when I moved to here, like after a few workshops that I did, you know, because I would come and visit David and then like end up going with Brian Davis and Derek Rith and, and, and like just doing workshop, you know, um, in Samba Reggae in maracatu, in samba, real style, um, samba de roda, um, coco. And um, um, when they moved to here, and um, Dave did talk to Jay to see if he, I could be his guest. Jay, at this time, he was living southwest in a big house. And then I came to to say with Jay, which would be like three months and up like seven months with Jay, <laughs> which was a good time. It was a great house because we had a lot of parties oh, in the basement. Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> I've heard about this infamous oh my. Jay party house. Yeah. Big party. would come in, George Alabe, whoever guests would come to town, we would have like a big party. And it was great because it was in the basement. Nobody, even Maracatu, Nobody else could hear from an outside. old house with yeah. lots of brick. Mm -hmm. like it's soundproof. <laughs> and uh, I lived there for a little while, seven months, and then I moved into to Peter Fong, which is a great friend. He's totally involved with the music, with the chorinho, with the bossa nova, with the samba, the, you know. And um, I stayed with Peter for five years and... And then getting involved with, I, I did some work with the Lions of Batucada. And then um, then I left there and then I started to teach at uh, um, Center Space for a very short period. And then one of the great friends, as I consider was Sarah Riddler. She is the owner of Vicont Dance Studio. Mm -hmm. She invited me, opened her doors to me to be teaching my like samba class over there. And then I stayed there like for very good part of six or seven years teaching. Yeah. And then among that, and then I did another work with the, the world center co-teaching with uh, Kathy Elvinch. Oh, yeah. Again. And um, did some uh, 
projects and and dancing and and kept going try to survive try to keep like the culture from northeast brazil and the samba being a brazilian in portland and uh, then i start to do a uh, teach at dance with joy studios which till now which i had last weekend was my last class like the, the previous so it's kind of emotional that was my last class if some of you may not know beto directly but beto is leaving portland oregon and moving to portland maine <laughs> to New the England. other portland yeah the other <laughs> portland and they um, call the origin out there oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a, I, I don't live in portland oregon of course it's my home too <laughs> and the many opportunities too you know and um and more than ever, I can see like how I grew in here too, as a dancer, as a person, a lot, you know, with the whole odds and the good and bad things happen, because everything happened in life, you know. I mean, like, I mean, very grateful for spending like 11 years of my life in here and meet such wonderful people. I met so many um, good friends and, um, you know, have this community, which is wonderful. So I'm going to miss a lot, you know. But life is calming. Say, oh, now you need to, like, bring your Brazilian happiness to the New England. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they might need some happiness. They need. <laughs> To give up some of our happiness for yeah. the happiness. We're sacrificing. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you've grown since you've been here. Can you tell us some ways in which you've grown since you've been here? Yeah, as um, as a teacher, as a person, you know, you grown with uh, many closed doors and many open. It was this balance, as in, in life, you know, we have. Uh, People that's afraid of you just because you are a dancer, you are Brazilian. Um, people that embrace you and because you are a dancer, you are Brazilian. Um, it's like kind of the whole mixing. And um, but uh, at all, all, I can say that you know, the goodness wins, and I. Like, I got so many good things from here. So many good friends. So many people that are interested in, in our culture, like you and, you know, so many so many people. So many people that work together and, and, and contribute for, you know, keeping the, the culture going on. And then, and, and more than, than ever with... Uh, specifically with the Maracatu PDX, that's what I feel. I feel like very comfortable and at home because when I hear you guys playing, I'm just like transforming, like going to home. That's what I feel with nice. the whole, yeah, it's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a, 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 a funny journey 
<laughs> and you can call yourself a musician now because you've been playing as well. Oh, yeah. It's kind of fun, too, because, you know, as a older dancer, you know, your body <laughs> sometimes yes. does not <laughs> respond anymore <laughs> to, like, you know. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and, and, and that's with the maracatu, I start to like develop my bell player and like been learning it's kind of very fun because as where i come from i didn't not play i was dancing all the time but i i get the rhythm i get you know i can like see the difference and um i start to learn you know and um Steve, it's like was one of you know the the one that taught me, you know. I took some classes at uh, the camp with George Martins, you know, with Nino, not at the camp, but right. you know, and um, but uh, Steve is the one that he start to like teach me. Some it's very interesting to work with him because besides being a great teacher, he's a great person and he's humble enough to do what he does and be a leader of the group, which is like is always as he always says to me, like it's always learning because we always been learning that we don't know everything in every year. Like in this whole 25 plus years of me teaching, every year I learn every day at in class. So now I mean like consider myself sort of like a bell player, a gongue player, you know. And singer. And the singing was another thing that came out with because I love to sing. I love to sing in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> As always, I did. Like back in Brazil, um, my mother had like an inside bathroom and then an outside bathroom and then like had like this big shower head. And then I would sing. Outside. Outside, yeah. Like sh taking shower and then singing and listening. The maracatu is around. Oh, like the rehearsing. Nice. Because where, my, where I grew up and where my family had the house, up no Bonfim, as the neighborhood in Bonfim, in Olinda, we were surrounded. We are surrounded by maracatu. We are surrounded by samba school, the Preto Velho, which is like a very traditional samba school in Olinda, which Dennis Broughton went so many times oh, yeah. there and, and, and played with Pelé, mm. which Pelé was a, one of the directors. So Dennis like, had the experience beside Rio de Janeiro. He went to Olinda a lot for the samba Preto Velho. Yeah, and um, and then I start to like, you know, I may not have a voice, but I have like the wish and the strength to just sing, and then I like to sing things from where I come from, especially from the maracatu, you know. 
Then I mean, I mean, like pre-camp now. I mean, like getting some cocoa de roda too to to get ready for cocoa night. At yeah, cocoa night, you know. And then I know that is the Pernambucan is gonna get together for that. So I I'm trying to get like some lyrics going on to you know prepare myself. But yeah, now I mean like teaching um besides being teaching the dance, it's one of the things that is like the singing and the the bell playing, you know. And the surdo for the first time <laughs> last week. Always learning. Yeah, I always learn. Yeah. I don't know. I I, tr I tried the fire once, but I just like broke them. <laughs> then I had the ball. I like changed the whole thing, and I said I give up. <laughs> so, Beto, what are your? Uh, we know that you teach, but what are qualities in a teacher that you like to see if you're taking a dance class? Um, to me, when I take a a, a, a dance class, uh, what I see is uh, the attention that the teachers the teacher give to the students, you know, because it's not all about you as a teacher. It's about your students. And um, to me as a teacher, I mean, always like try to do my best to help um, the students in, in learning you know, in what they think that, oh, I, I, I'm I weak in that point, or I don't know. I try always to, like, give the, how to say, guidance, like, you know, help. But I, to me, as a teacher, you have to be 100% for your students and be there and be ready to... Um, to teach and to like you know let them know what what they want to know but my priority as a teacher is always make sure that my students the people that like take my classes they feel comfortable and they know like they would not know everything at once but they would. I want to make sure that they know a little bit of uh, whatever I teach. So, to me, it's very important to be there for the students as a teacher, as you know, giving like the whole information. Mm -hmm. So, a hundred percent to me, it's not about me. I mean, like just the um, connection to give that person the knowledge with you whatever my knowledge is but uh, yeah as a teacher i always make sure that my students are very comfortable with what they learn and what i try to give to them yeah when i've taken your classes before you're you're good about going up to new people and different people just yeah. sort of like making them feel welcome making a little joke with them and showing them a little bit and yeah it's it, it's very that. important to make people feel comfortable you know and uh, to me like as in my classes whatever it is i always say like we always learn 
you can be a pro. It's fine. But in my class, you is you learning. I I don't care. I if you are a pro, yes, whatever you do, I respect it, but to me it's very important. You are learning. So I like to mix. My class is always has like I don't have a fir first row of the, the professional dancers or no. Everybody had have to help each other. Mm -hmm. You know, help me to teach. Yeah. 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 It's kind of a mix. Yeah. Everybody's like we are all learn together. Nice. So, Beto, you've also done a lot of performing. Can you tell us what is a really memorable gig that you might have done? Oh Either Monica 2 or dancing. Does something stand out? Yeah, it's like it's so... Yeah, I've been like... I did so many performances in my... In my... Um, um, how do you say, in my life as a performer, as a teacher, um, and travel, you know, to Asia, with Jinga Brazil, to South Korea, um, to Thailand, and um, yeah, very interesting, but... Um, I, I would say, like, it was the memorable one was the <laughs> very interesting. Um, we were ready in Thailand for um, doing this show. We were hired by this hotel in Bangkok to doing this um, end of the year. Well, it's a New Year's show. So we did, like, the whole rehearsal. We did audition you know, and everything, and um, so we went, taking off to Thailand, and it was very exhausting, because we got there, and the time difference, and then right away, um, we will end up in a hospital, because <laughs> the immigration separate the Americans and the Brazilians, and the Brazilians, because they are Brazilians, and they would have the same... Um, Tropical diseases and oh. like as in Thailand, and then they like it, and then they let the Americans go, and then the Brazilian, we were like six, was you know, <laughs> <laughs> our passport hold, and, and then we end up like in this um hospital because like they need to like, like yeah, a a kind of almost a qu quarantine, but we spent like a very good time, like a day over there, like Jesse. <laughs> Yeah, I said I'm not. Nobody's gonna give him injection. No, <laughs> no. I said I'm Brazilian, but I mean live in the U.S. for many years. So I mean, <laughs> so and then um, in the show, we we had, we did Makulili. We did. Uh, um, they, there was the capoeira, and then we did the maculele dance with the capoeiras. Um, we did the frevo, we did the samba, and um, samba de roda, and one of the the dances was the maculele. I was my partner was Mestre Han Cassio Han, which is 
friend of Mestre Accordeon, which they had the capoeira in Oakland. Right. Uh, the in and Cassio. Cassio was my partner in the um, in the Maculele. And uh, we were doing, and it was like the jet lag, it was like horrible. And then when you. And this Beto is a dance, um, if you can explain how it's done. Oh, the Maculele, it's like totally directed from Capoeira. It's a Capoeira movement, but you dance originally, the Capoeiras, they dance that with knives. And, but we dance, we doing with a stick, a wood stick. And it's like this whole choreography, very dynamic, very acrobatic, as the capoeira. You know, it's one of the dances that is together with the capoeira. As somebody hold the two, which always where where wherever is the capoeira, there is a somebody hold around. You know, it's kind of. It. And we were there, and then we had the everything rehearsal. And when we went to this big hotel. And we had to last minute change the whole dynamic of the show because the stage was right in the middle. It was a triangle. And then it was not a stage as we did. And then we had to face everybody. So it was kind of horrible. And (laughs) here I am. We're doing the whole makulele dance. And then when I did a turn... I did not tighten my <laughs> skirt, uh, raffia, and then I did a turn, and then the raffia just gone, and then uh, here I am in my <laughs> tongs. <laughs> <laughs> so that I cannot forget ever, and um, because it, Conceição, she was a director of the group, but she could not go because she was pregnant with Tainá, which is going to be teaching Taina Harvey. She's going to be doing um, samba. samba at the the camp. So that was 22 years ago. And uh, that was kind of, you know. And then I just need to, like, just jump and grab my <laughs> skirt and then go and exit. <laughs> I, I, I didn't panic. I just, like, started dancing and go. <laughs> Yeah, and then we, we did a lot of beautiful performing, you know. In, in, in San Francisco, the Bay Area, it was like many, many, many. And uh, yeah, it's very, very, very fun. And you did um, Maracatu in one of the parades there? Maracatu, we did the first Maracatu was, was with uh, Derek Wright. Um, he's Maracatu uh, Lucia, Lucha. And... Uh, um, he came, it was like the year that I moved to here, it was mm-hmm. 2006. And uh, Derek, right, he came with the idea, said, oh, Beth, let's do a maracatu. And then I said, oh, that's going to be fun, because that was like really the first maracatu that parade there. And uh, there was, yeah, Eric from Maracatu Pacifico, which was his first contact with Maracatu was through my dance classes, right. which he used to take. And, and then as er, uh, uh, Derek, as these whole people, yeah. you know, get like, 
and then came in with this idea to doing the maracatu and then we did the first maracatu that parade actually in the bay oh, area cool. yeah that was fun and we're actually using a recycled version of the estandarchi that you guys use oh yeah <laughs> well the estandarchi is kind of very fun because the, um at the camp, when the, I brought the maracatu to the camp, um, then I like to do like things like look as authentic as I can. So I have to have my props because then people can see. And um, that was, I don't know, 2004, 2000, was one of this year. And I decided to have the pavilion, the standarte, which <clears throat> I put maracatu um, casadero. Oh. That was, was in honor uh -huh. of the casadero. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, with the whole details, because when you see a standarte of a group, even if it's a frevo, if, if it is a maracatu, when you look what is, uh, how you say, embroidered there, it tells you the history of that group. It tells where that comes from. So, and then I said, oh, I'm going to make like a, a maracatu standard. Although I didn't have any group, but I said, at least that's the beginning. <laughs> The standard <laughs> would come. We should maybe explain what it is. Yeah. To people who don't know, maybe explain. Uh, yeah, this standard you call pavilion is a banner. Mm -hmm. You would say. Like hangs from a. Yeah, hangs stick. from a pole. It's like a, a very big, very tall, and that is uh, the flag of whatever group you parade with. Kind of like the crest. Yeah, the crest. Yeah, the sim yes. symbols. Yeah. Yeah. And that is what uh, um, what it is, and tell you the the history of you know the groups, you know. As in Rio de Janeiro, the porta bandeira, the bandeira mm -hmm. is the same. Each porta bandeira, each bandeira has its symbol, and that tells the history of the group. And then I came up with Danny and I brought two and I told Dennis and Rich and then like people loved. Along with that came the Kalungas, which are the mm. the dolls, mm -hmm. the secret, the protectors and represent the Orishas in the Maracatu, the Kalungas as we call. And did you make those? Um I had them made it back in Olinda. I didn't make um the standard, the pavilion, the banner, it was made by this traditional family in Olinda. They, from generation to generation, they are doing that forever. Oh. And um, my family is very friend, and then I'm very friend with them. Yeah. And, you know, we like sort of the kids that we grew together. And right, then I would right. see the grandmother doing, cutting, doing. And um, a friend of uh, my sister, her name is Yara, she is the one that uh, now is the head of, uh, you know, past from generation. 
and then she was the one that made the standard, along with my sister and her sisters. Cool. It was like the whole <laughs> community doing. And the dolls, the Kalungas, was made up in the Alto da Sé, which is the highest point, point in Olinda, where there is a kind of a square. And you have like a lot of artists there. And then I was recommended by these people that made the estandarte to go there to this person. Oh. And um, he would carve, which my calungas, they are carved from the coconut trunk, young coconut trunk, as they used to do in the old times, the ancestors. So... And take six months for that being ready because they carve it in a young coconut, let it dry for six months or so. It depends how much heat. Then after dried, that's when they doing like the whole painting and hmm. doing the whole detail. Does this person make a lot of those, or is did they just make this one for you, or is uh, this they like made my for myself? There was not like that. Their ones you don't find the stars. Gotcha. There was yeah. made for for me. I asked them, and, and we yeah, talked. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the person it um, they do carving in gotcha. wood. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and then like if, when maracatuzo other groups need and then like they hire that guy know, it's yeah. like kind of huh. people you know yeah. that they know and yeah Neat. kind of interesting yeah, yeah. <laughs> really interesting um so we asked you about a memorable moment what is maybe a strange moment that you've had? Well, I guess losing, losing your skirt is losing your the skirt. skirt is pretty, is what about one of the most happiest moments you've had when performing? Oh my God, uh, the happiest was I had the feel. I had the when they building the there. I never danced for so many. I guess probably I don't know three thousand or so. It was so many people. Um, at the Herba Buena in San Francisco Park, the, the building there was, at the time I was living in San Francisco, and they made like the whole, that big space. And um, we were hired to dance, Jinga Brasil was, and so other many groups. And it was kind of a, a little scary to like see so many people in the front. The World Cup of Soccer, 1994, it was another, really, because we were so connected to Brazil. And then we didn't have, like, this whole smartphone or this whole thing. But that was fun because, you know, we were on Lombard Street doing an interview for TV Globo. And um, I had my good friend, he made a... Brazil, he painted a Brazilian flag in my bald head. <laughs> and then this famous anchor that was in San Francisco, uh, it's always like when it's a World Cup of Soccer and everything, they have the Brazilians, but they are very curious to know how Americans or whatever 
nation is like how they know how to samba they play samba mm. and then there was like all about like you know how you doing the samba right, right, huh. you know as an american and um so we had this choreography that was me and the girls. I was the only boy at the gr in the group, the dancer, and like with six girls. And um, the choreography was a, a team, a football team. So the girls, they had the Brazilian a shirt and like the blue bikini, which it would be like the short, but there was blue bikini and high heels. And then I was, unfortunately, I was the referee, <laughs> which was not uh, really welcome. People take it personal, referees, you know, yeah. especially the Brazilians. <laughs> and the Latinos, they really hate referees in the game that is no. And um, the whole choreography was Conceição Damasceno who made. And uh, we had like these beautiful girls doing kind of uh, the game the whole samba was the game and they end up with a goal and then i would come with my red card yeah. and then that's when i was like really really bullying like yeah. bad even like bag of water was on my face oh. once in san jose arena we were doing an opening and someone looked through like a, a water bag on me wow. Yeah, it was. And and then we get a point. I'm not kidding. Get a point that we had to, all the time when you're going, you do five shows in one day in the World Cup of Soccer, wow. soccer in 2004. We were like running in San Francisco. You just see like the Brazilian uh, feathers run one club <laughs> to another. Run. Yeah, going here. Bahia Cabana was one that was a big a Brazilian place. And then run to different places. And then we end up like in, in certain place we had to have like security like people escorting wow. us especially because i was the referee and then was not welcome yeah. i was like after the the baggy went on me i was oh how in dangerous i am to yeah, be like really. incorporate like a, a referee which I was not, I was just dance. Right, yeah. I, we were dance, you know, and then it was like, Jesse, the choreography was all about a game. The girls dance in samba, and then like, there comes the ball, and then they kick the ball, and then I would come with my red card, say, no, it's not right, you know, and then like, it was, was all the time, I would go on the stage, and it was, woo, woo, bullying, like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they, they got, it was kind of fascinating because how people take like it's so serious and so strong as, you know, as you are acting because we were, it's a dance theater. So I was acting like dancing and, and then like, oh, now I see like how when you are actor or something and then you're doing like a bad person role. And then how people take so like you become hated or you become loved. And then at this time in that role as a referee, I was like hated by the whole Brazilian community and the Latinos. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of it's kind of fun, but yeah. I I just noticed when it was really serious, like he, when we start to go like with the people escorting us, like security, like to go in because he, he was like he pushing, like he, special me. Oh my God! Were... It was kind of unbelievable. We had a big ciranda, right, right, right. and um, the day was it was rainy, bad, but I don't know was a Saturday or was a Sunday was in the Memorial Weekend. Yes, and we had a beautiful moment. It was like the stage and they perform, and it was like really memorable how we were welcomed by the people there in Seattle, and how beautiful it was. And they end up with this beautiful ciranda, which is still like in my mind how everybody- So many people. connected. The dancers went down with along with some musicians and then they pick up people and then all of a sudden everybody was doing the seranda while we were singing and play. So that was kind of a, a beautiful moment, definitely. What about your plans for the future? Are you gonna start class? I have already like lined up yeah, uh, um a dance class which is gonna start in October, the first week of October. Yeah, in Portland, Maine. Um the name of the studio is um what's the name of the dance? Hustle and Flow. Like the, the hustle? Yeah. Hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Stefan, um she is a friend of my sister in law and she works for my sister in law. And she's a dancer and a yoga and a Pilates instructor. And um, I did a few workshops uh, at her studio, which she, she got this studio about probably four years ago. And um, she's just tried to expand it and, and, and put uh, salsa and the now Brazilian and... Um, First time I went there, and then she invited me to do a workshop, which was very, very interesting. And it was kind of amazing, like, for the town, how many people came here? About 30 people came to there, and I said, that was fun, you know. Many of it friends of David's family, and, like, and then the way that she... But we had, like, a blessing, then I did another one, and um, and then she said, whenever you, if I still have this studio, whenever, if you want to teach when you come here. And then I say, I don't know, I probably would not would come to Portland to live, which was not in my mind. It's just, it's happened. Family needs, and then I, we need to help them. Um, 
But yeah, uh, the first of uh, week of October, I'm gonna start my first samba class officially in Portland, Maine, seven o'clock on Wednesdays. <laughs> if you're and in Portland, Maine. If you are in Portland, Maine, New England, please. But it's it's very interesting, and um, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to bring uh, my happiness, uh, my Brazilian culture. Um, I me feel very welcome um, by the other Portland too, not just with the family, but with the friends too, and the fact that you know I'm not even living there already, but I have a dance class that's gonna start there, so it's kind of a little relief because it would be so hard for me not to have like not dance and then I have to dance. I have a happy feet and I can't, <laughs> I cannot stop, you know. I'm dancing all the time with my feet and it's going to be fun. Yeah, great. Well, we're really sad to have you leave, but I know you're going on to like really wonderful things. Thank you for everything you've taught us here. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Yes, thank you guys and for having me, for being my friends and um, for supporting me. For these whole years, I, I just, you know, say thank you to Portland, to Marca, to PDX, to, to everybody, to, for the love and, you know, for everything that you guys gave me. that interview with Beto. Um, if you'd like to learn more about him, say you live in Portland, Maine, you want to take a dance class, <laughs> this new dance class, uh, you, you can find out more about him at www.betodancebrazil.com. I'll spell that for you, B-E-T-O-D-A-N-C-E-B-R-A-Z-I-L.com. We're really glad that we had a chance to talk to Beto before he left town. Um, he meant a lot to the community and um, to all of us and we're having a big uh, party for him tomorrow <laughs> so yeah. we're going to celebrate we're celebrating him and David um, being part of this community and um, on their new adventure so bon voyage yes yes we will miss you dearly you're going to leave a huge hole here Beto but um, yes bon voyage I hope you have a wonderful time you're going on to create some beautiful things on the other coast so Thank you for your time here. The other Portland. <laughs> other Portland. The dark Portland. Just kidding. <laughs> so shout outs for this week. We'd like to shout out all our listeners and everyone following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Are you out there? Let us know. Send us comments. Tweet at us. Yes, tweet at us. Um, send us funny videos. Send us videos of your groups performing. Um, be it on youtube or just your own videos it would be great to see them if you have group audio that you would like to have featured here we'd love to hear it we'd love to um, play it um, please send that to our email thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com you can also find photos of um, our guests and photos from brazil camp and photos of us and just more information at thebrazilianbeat.com 
You can stream us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play, and Player FM. You can also download our um, audio from the website. If you didn't know already, we're going to Brazil camp soon. <laughs> and we're going to be hopefully talking to some really great folks there too. So be on the, be on the lookout for some really interesting uh, interviews coming up as well as some soundscapes. <laughs> um, we uh, are really excited to be there and there's going to be some great music um, and dance and fun and merriment. So join in um, to listen to what happened. What happens next? What happens after Brazil Camp? It'll be our 30th episode. Who will be the 30th guest? Stay tuned.